God, you truly are worthy of all glory and all honor and all praise. And all praise is due to you and only you. Father, thank you for your goodness towards us. We just just blown away how good you are, how mighty you are, all that you do. And everything you do is a reflection of your love towards us. And we just say we love you too. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, God's been doing some awesome things here. And uh, the good news is it's not only here. I mean, it's, there are numerous churches that are growing and just seeing great moves of God in their congregation. And, and I'm going to tell you why that's so important. It's because it's not a church thing. It's not that there is a church that is popular at the moment. Uh, it is that God is doing something in our city because he's popular. <laughs> he's becoming more and more popular. Amen. And it's our job to make the name of Jesus famous. That's what we do. And so we've just been seeing God do some awesome things. Uh, we've seen so many souls saved, uh, families restored, people healed, amazing healings that he's been doing, just miraculous. We've had baptisms for six weeks in a row here and uh, just continue. Uh, even though it may not happen in the second service each week, just, just know that it's that. That tank's not going to run from dry rot. I'm going to tell y'all that. <laughs> but uh, uh, as of uh, last Wednesday night, it's official. We are in the process of purchasing 212 acres uh, for the building of our new church building. And, uh, and, and this building is a place, it's a tool. It's a, it's a tool in the hands of God for God's people not to come to but to go from. Amen. We got to always keep that in mind that it's just it's just a, a a a gathering place for God's people to come and get inspired, refilled, and energized, and go back out there into the, our communities and our homes and our workplaces to spread the kingdom of God. Church's greatness is not determined by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity, and we need to understand that. And so uh, that that's uh, remember. Church is not a building, and it's not a place to just come and, and, and gather and say, well, this is our little, this is our church, it's our group. No, the church is the body of Christ, and we are the instrument by which God's kingdom, and, and instrument by which God's kingdom moves out and to uh, take back what was originally his. Destroy the works of the devil push back the powers of darkness, spread the kingdom of God. And that's, that's, that's what we do. That's what, that's what we are. Uh, and so it's an awesome thing to see the Lord doing his work. But to whom much is given, much is required. There's a lot of responsibility that, that comes with God doing what he's doing here. And, uh, and it all begins with our own personal responsibility. And so we're going to be talking today about personal holiness, about making sure that I, my vessel is fit to be poured into and through, and that I might be the most effective and most powerful that, that, that I can be for the kingdom of God and his glory. And so I want you to turn with me to the book of John, John chapter 13 and verse 1. 
Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and he will be spending his last days with his disciples slash apostles, those who have been following him and those who he has been equipping to, to carry on the work of the ministry. And so he is preparing them for that. In John 13, 1, uh, you, you know this occasion. Uh, we will talk about it oftentimes around uh, Easter. We call it Resurrection Sunday. Uh, but there's, there's so much packed into this event uh, not just uh, the communion and the, the understanding shifting from Passover to the Lord's Supper, but this, this business about personal cleansing. In John chapter 13, verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. By the way, another passage later on as he's praying for his disciples, he, he, he says this, they are not of the world. We are in this world, but we're not of the world. Everybody, everybody got that right? There's been a transformation that happened when we got saved. If, if you're not there yet, then I pray that today is the day. But when we come to Jesus Christ and faith recognize that I am a sinner and I need a Savior, there, and, I, and I submit myself to Him as the Savior, there's a transformation, a spiritual transformation called regeneration that happens inside of us, and we are now no longer of this world, we are of the next. <laughs> and so uh, he says, they are in this world, and it says, He loved them to the end. Verse 2, and supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? I'm not going to go into a lot of teaching on all of this. I'm just going to touch on it. That They are sitting around what is known as a Roman triclinium table. And it's shaped like a horseshoe. And one side of the horseshoe would be the head of the table. The other side of the horseshoe would be the foot of the table. And it's open in the middle so the servants could come and bring the food. And as they are sitting around this table... Peter, uh, we know by, by the occasion in the scripture kind of where the seat, some of those, the seating order is around this table. And Peter, he's been preparing this and bringing all the, the, the stuff together for this meal. And so we know that he is seated at the foot of the table. And that alone probably just grinded on Peter because he is the leader of this band of brothers. And that, that he has been seated at the foot of the table when he's the one out there serving I bet his attitude was just to getting a little bit stanky. And then, and to, to match his feet, by the way, just to, <laughs> and so he's, he's seated, sitting in the position in which he should have been the one washing the feet. But I'm sure at this time, he's, he's just like, I ain't, I'm not doing that. <laughs> we have other servants that could wash the feet. And, and then Jesus gets up and begins washing feet. And as he's moving all the way around to the final spot where Peter is sitting, I can imagine the internal chaos that's happening in his mind and heart 
as he recognizing that his Lord is doing his job. Mm. He has now moved from a irritation to a humiliation. And, and, and I just, I, I can imagine the feeling. And then Jesus gets to Peter, and I'm sure this, this rebelliousness, if it had been there, I, I'm just speaking as if it were me because uh, I can picture me being just a little turned off by the whole situation when, when I've been out there collecting all of the food. I've been out there doing the serving, and, and here I am, and you're gonna, not going to sit me over here by you, Jesus. You're going to put me down there at the foot of the table. I'm just not real happy with this arrangement. And then Jesus begins serving. And he gets around here to Peter, and Peter says, you going to wash my feet? Look at his response. <laughs> Verse 7, Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now. But you will know after this. You don't, you don't get it. You don't get it right now, but you will. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. It's something when the servant starts telling the Savior what he will and will not do. How many times have I said, uh, no, this is not how this is going to work. And God says, uh, you're not going to push past me. Yeah, yes, this is how it's going to work. And Peter, Peter, he has to come to a place in which he submits himself to the Lord. And so this is what Jesus said. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Now, can, I, I hope that you could picture yourself sitting at that table and, and kind of all of the feelings that it, it, there's... There's 12 guys there that Jesus is washing the feet of. And you can imagine this don't just happen in seconds. This is, this is taking some time. And, and don't you know the internal arguments that are going on in Peter's mind and the feelings that is happening. And, and, and he's like, you're my savior. You're the one who I've been following for three years, learning from, drawing from. And, and now I, I'm just in this position of brokenness because... I, I don't know what to do in this situation, and now you come to me and you want to serve me? You're not going to serve me. I serve you. That's the, that's the rules of this relationship. Lord, you don't serve me. I serve you. And Jesus says, if you don't let me serve you, we can't walk together. You ever had those struggles in that, Lord, this is how our relationship's supposed to work? And God says, I'll tell you how our relationship is supposed to work. You're not the one that determines how this relationship is supposed to work. And here's what he's saying. It's all in love. Peter, I, I, you're going to walk in this world, and you're going to get the world on you. You're not of this world, but you're in it. And while you're in it, it's going to get on you, and you need to let me serve you to get it off. And Peter's like, I, I, I don't quite get it all. Jesus said, you don't understand now, but you will. And, and said, you're not going to wash my feet. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but you just go ahead and immerse me, my head and my hands. I want you to know that we're not talking about personal hygiene, but personal holiness. And I, I hope that you're picking up on that. I mean, uh, I think Ray Charles could see this, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're, 
We're not talking about, Peter, you stink, son. You can't walk alongside me with your feet smelling like that. No, that's not what he's talking about. Peter, you've you got to let me on a continual basis come to you and say, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to get this stuff off of you. I don't want you to serve me. I serve you. That's the rule. No, Peter, we're friends. Later on, Jesus would tell him, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Mm. Does that, have you ever struggled with that? There's a passage of scripture, John 17, where it, and Jesus is talking to the heavenly father and he says, I thank you, God. He's talking out loud where he, all of his disciples could hear him. I thank you, God, that you love them as much as you love me. Whew. When I first read, read that, I'm like, no, that can't be the right translation. I got to reread this in another translation. And when I read that, it's exactly what he says. Jesus said that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. But I know me. And I'm not just stanky on my feet. I'm literally stanky. <laughs> I, I, I got issues. And, and I have areas in which that, that, that I'm still struggling in. And, and, and Jesus says, you got to let me do this. You got to let me do this. See, so Peter says, well, then just go ahead and wash all of me then. And then Jesus throws this wrinkle in there. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. But not all of you, and he said that about Judas Iscariot, the not all of you part. But he said, you're clean. Now, I need you to understand that this time, salvation happens at the cross and at the resurrection. And so Peter's not technically saved at this time, but so Jesus is giving him some information that is future and for us. And that he says, when somebody gets saved, they're clean. And they don't have to keep going and getting resaved, resaved. Re well, I sinned and I'm, now I'm out of a relationship. And now I got to get saved again to get back in the relationship. And I sinned, so I'm out of the relationship. And now I got to get saved again to get back in the relationship. Jesus says, no, I don't have to wash you all over again. You are made clean. But I do have to continually wash the world off of you. I'm reminded when I'd go spend a week at a time with my grandma and grandpa on the great metropolis of Malakoff, Texas, and, and uh, I would, I'd spend a day out, my, my grandpa was a carpenter, I'd spend a day out in his shop, and, and then uh, just playing around, I'd come in just dirty, dirty, and grandma would say, now you go in there and get your bath, and I'd go in there and bathe, and then we'd sit around after supper and just kind of hang out in the living room, and, and uh, uh, about the time Johnny Carson came on. That was time for me to go to bed. And grandma would say, now go in there and wash your feet and go to bed. I just had a bath two hours ago. But she, every time, go in there and wash your feet, go to bed. How many times have I heard that in my life? Go in there and wash your feet, go to bed. Why? Because grandma had hardwood floors. And so, uh, you know, I grew up in a house with carpet. And so uh, that wasn't a thing for us. We just... It's kind of cleaning your feet while you're walking around. But in Grandma's house, it, it, you, you get, if y'all know what, I've got hardwood floors now, and, and your feet gets a little nasty. You don't want that grit in the bed with you. So Grandma would say, go wash your feet, get in bed. Now, I didn't need to get in the bathtub again. Y'all with me? Because I've already been cleaned. But in that short time between my bathing and my bedding, a little bit of dirt got on me. How many of us need the Lord on a continual basis 
to say, hey, you, you got something on you here. You need to let me get that off of you. So that you can be, remember, what's he doing? What is he doing? He is preparing his disciples to pick up his ministry and take it and to make a world impact. And he says, for you to be the most effective, powerful witness that you can be for me, you need to be personally holy. Now, I was made holy at the cross. Y'all track with me now. That was called justification. And yet there is a process in which while I'm living this life, sometimes I'll step in it. (laughs) Y'all ain't following me. Can I get some help up here? Sometimes I'll step in it. (laughs) And, and, And I'm like, Lord, uh, I stepped in it. You didn't let me get it off. He's like, that's not how this works either. There's only one way that sin gets dealt with. I'm the one that has to wash. So that leads us to a big question. Who is responsible for my cleansing? 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. There's this verse of scripture. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. Now I want you, if this is new to you, please uh, don't feel ashamed. I'm going to teach you something real quick. You'll notice in this translation, this is New King James translation, uh, this is a helpful little tool that anytime it's referring to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it will be a capital H or whatever. And so when you're reading the scripture, it's very easy to and so and everyone who has this hope in him. You notice that's capitalized. Who is your hope found in? In him. Purifies, lowercase, himself, just as he is pure. Everybody check it with me on that. You just became Bible scholars just that, that quick. And so what's this scripture saying? Who's responsible for my purity? Ooh, so I am responsible to purify myself, or is he responsible to purify me? Everyone, little e, who has this hope in him, him, purifies little h himself. So by this scripture right here, who's responsible? Mm. But then if you back up two chapters of 1 John 1, 9, it says if we confess our sins, he, big H, everybody with me? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So who's responsible, he or me? And the answer is yes. Yes. Yes, the Holy Spirit comes along and convicts us of sin. Things that we have done, things we haven't done, things, uh, attitudes that we're holding. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts us, and, and then we must come to Jesus. And once he convicts, the Lord says, now you're responsible to come to me in repentance, confess, and I'll cleanse. You see how it all works together. It's like, uh, who is... Who is doing this work? Who is doing this work of ministry? Is it me or he? So the answer is yes. It says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Everybody know that verse of scripture? Good. And then the next verse of scripture says, for it is God who works in you, both in will and to do for his good pleasure. So who's doing the work? We. (laughs) We are. He does his part. You're responsible to do your part. But ultimately, he is the only one that can actually cleanse us. What's the difference between conviction and condemnation? Conviction is when the Holy Spirit comes and says, you got a little, little world on you. 
Your flesh is a little dirty right now. We, we need to get that clean. And, and so that's conviction. Bring that to Jesus, get cleaned up. The devil will say, uh, whereas the Holy Spirit says, you've done bad, the devil would say, you are bad. It's condemnation. So there's guilt and there's shame. You see the difference. How do I know if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's the devil? Well, one convicts, one condemns. One says you did bad, the other one says you are bad. One is the purpose to cleanse you and lift you. The other one is to, con- to condemn you and push you down. Everybody with me? So what's the, if every situation, when I feel a negative feeling in my spirit, do I need to then ask the question, is this Satan or is this God? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's not really necessary to ask that question because there's a quick and easy remedy for either one of them. Here's what Ron Dunn, a great preacher of old, said. Good and evil often run on parallel tracks, arriving at the same destination at the same time. We're sitting there trying to stress, oh, is this God, is this uh, the devil? And, uh, you know, the answer could be, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the Lord allowed Satan maybe to bring you to this place of, I am done with this. And then God says, I'll step in now. There's where I bring things to the Lord. And so here I said that whether it be conviction or condemnation, the fix is the same. It's, it's an easy fix. It's a, I mean, I don't have to be a great theologian to figure this out. I just need to know a few scriptures. And whether it be conviction, the resolution is confession. Confession. Whether it be condemnation, the fix is Confession. Because if he is convicting me of sin, once I confess that sin, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. If it is condemnation, the devil is using something to gouge me and work me. But once I confess it, he no longer has a tool against me. Amen. Now that dad's out of the room, he was in the first service, I'll tell the story. (laughs) It's hard to pastor your parents sometimes. I was uh, 16 years old. My dad had given me a pocket knife that was very meaningful to him. And uh, that pocket knife, he had, he had worn all the texture off the, the grip of that handle. And uh, carried it in his pocket for years and years and years, working as a lineman with pirate company. And uh, for him to give that to me was a big deal. He felt like I was responsible enough to take care of it. And I guess I wasn't, because I lost it. I lost it. And then when I was 16 years old, attending here at Sand Springs, on the other side of the church, which is now the children's building, my truck uh, got broke into, somebody busted the window out and stole uh, my battery and, and uh, a couple of other things in my truck. And I lied and told my dad they stole my pocket knife. Now, this, went on, uh, this was, I was 16 uh, I'm a little older than that now. And uh, this was only just a few years ago. I was, carry- that, I was carrying that around like on a daily basis. Just a few years ago. We're talking like 30-something years had passed. Now, some of you are thinking, That's, you feel bad about that? I've got some serious ones. I'm going to tell you, I have some serious ones too. But for some reason, that one because I'd lied to my father, just continued 
daily, daily, just beating me down. And I'm in Israel. We're going to be in Israel for six weeks. We're on my sabbatical. And, and I'm over there, and the guilt was just too much, more than I could handle. There's no way that I can make a phone call to home with the time difference and all that kind of stuff. So I, I wrote out a letter. This, so now this is even harder because now I'm involving my mother in it because my dad, um, somebody said the other day that my dad had a Facebook account. I said, no, he does not. There's no way possible because he is as computer illiterate as anybody ever. And so now I had to send this to my mother who would then read this and tell it to my father and confess. I said, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit convicting me or Satan condemning me, but either way, I know what had happened. I am so uncertain of myself. I am ineffective for the kingdom of God. Lived in daily torment. So I knew either way, confession will fix either one. Praise God, as soon as I got word back that he'd received the letter, it lifted. Because now, if it was the Holy Spirit, I, I was obedient. If it was Satan, I disarmed him. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Confession, so powerful. So I, then I can take that scripture that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us. But please understand, confession is not just saying that it was wrong. It's saying, I won't repeat it. When you repent, because that's, that's repentance. I want you to look at Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. To repent says, I won't repeat. He who covers his sin will not prosper. Can everybody agree with that? Yep. Well, let me just go ahead and help you know that if you don't agree with that, uh, it's the scripture. <laughs> and, and if we continue to cover our sin... This is the truth of God's word. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Amen. Amen. I, isn't the word of God so good? Whatever that struggle is that's going on in your being right now, just take it to the word and let God do his work. And so to, to, to repent is to not repeat. It is to confess and forsake it. And move forward in the confidence that you are back in right standing with God. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to look in Hebrew. Eh, let me just go ahead. It's, it's time to, let's just get into personal inventory. We're going to shift in this message right now to where you're not gaining information from up here. Up here. You're seeking information from the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just absolutely reveal to every one of us an area of our li in our lives that we need to bring to Christ and be cleansed of as we examine ourselves for personal holiness. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Are there things in your life that you know God has said, uh, this needs to stop? We're gonna have to deal with this. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to cleanse that. And maybe it, at one time it was kind of convicting, but now the conviction is beginning to fade, and it don't hurt quite so much. I'll tell you, that's a dangerous place to be when the conviction begins to fade. Ask the Holy Spirit if he would convict you all over again of those areas in your life that have just become dead. Ask him that if he would just come and, and just re refresh those feelings in which he's, he's, he'd poked before and we've become so callous that we no longer feel it. But, but whatever it is, whether it be an action that you continue to repeat that you know is wrong, 
or if it's an attitude that you continue to hold on that, that God's convicted you of it before, but you just continue to have this stanky attitude, just a negative, uh, or maybe it's not even just a, an overall attitude of negativity, but maybe it's just one area of your life, or, or maybe it's a, a, a sin of omission. There was something you were supposed to do and you didn't do it, or maybe it's relational. Hebrews chapter 12 Hebrews chapter 12 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one, everybody say no one, without which no one will see the Lord. What is this saying? It says, I cannot be right with God and wrong with you. I cannot be right with God and wrong with my relationships. My relationships also have to be right for me to be right with God. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, not in them, in you. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled i have to hurry up here but i want to point out real quickly roots grow under the surface and they'll continue to grow and grow and they can you can keep lopping off the top of it and it'll continue to get stronger under the surface and when it does spring up it will defile many it's not just you anymore it's now your kids it's your family your spouse, now it has sprung up and it's defiling many. And, and so what do I need to do? I need to go back to the scripture. It says, looking closely, looking carefully, lest any one of us fall short of the grace of God. We need his grace in every facet of our being, do we not? But I don't want you to wash me. I'm the servant. He says, but if you don't let me do this, can't go together. We can't walk together. We can't do ministry together. We are supposed to be co-mission for the kingdom. And yet you're going out on your own rogue because you won't come to me and let me take care of that for you. You won't experience the fullness of God. You won't experience the fulfillment of his ministry. You need to let me wash you. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Maybe you're dealing with a physical issue, a relational issue, some kind of an issue, and it continues to persist because you have a spiritual issue that you've not dealt with. And let me just bring some news to you. Uh, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. So maybe you've been asking for a physical healing and it ain't coming, and maybe it's because there's a spiritual issue that you have not yet repented of. I remember it was right, yeah, right behind you, Robert, on a Saturday night. I was up here for a Saturday night prayer meeting. I was fixing to ask our people, would y'all pray for me? My back is just messed up. I'm hurting. And then finally the Lord revealed to me some unforgiveness that I had. And so right there, sitting in that seat, I just repented of it. I asked God to forgive me of it. And guess what else got healed? My back. That quick. <laughs> that's, that's how God works. So I'm just asking each one of us, is there something in our lives that we need to say, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm going to submit it to you and ask you to wash it clean. Would y'all stand with me? Maybe it's not something that you've done. Maybe it's something you've not done. Or maybe it's something done to you. But it's a hang-up. You, you've not... You've not repented. You've not got it past. You've got, you got to get your past in the past. 
And it continues to haunt you to this day. And, and maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I, I, I got a hurt, habit, hang up, whatever it is. It continues to, to, to keep me held down. And I want our people to pray over me. I want to get breakthrough in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up? And please, don't think that I'm going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to. I just want to have our people around you pray for you. And so if you're standing around someone with their hand raised, would you just lay your hand on their shoulder as the church becomes the church and we pray for one another? Again, if, if that's you, remember, we, this is the, the, all the embarrassment you'll get as you raise your hand up. Uh, I, just, I just know the power in having God's people pray over. So you just raise your hand if you want our people to pray over you. Father God, I pray for every individual who in this building says, I got something I can't quite get past. I need breakthrough. I need, I need you, Lord Jesus, to come do this for me. I'm finally going to confess my inability to fix this and ask you, Lord, if you will. Lord, I pray that you would miraculously, powerfully do this in this very moment right now. If there are physical issues connected to the spiritual, Lord, as evidence that you have handled the spiritual, would you also bring physical healing right now in this very moment? Just as you took the lame man and you forgave his sins and, and the people were looking at that like, who is this? And then you told him, get up and walk. The physical was then resolved and then they knew who this was. I pray the same here in this moment. You would do the miraculous. That you would touch our spirit, that you would cleanse those areas where we stepped in it. As we submit them to you. No, we would experience power of breakthrough. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the praise team comes forward, we're going to take communion together and remind ourselves where all the healing comes from. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As your body was torn on our behalf, our bodies were made whole. Thank you, Lord Jesus. By your stripes we're healed. By your wounds we're whole. And it's not simply our body, but our emotional, our mental condition, our physical, our relational, all of these things, Lord, we look to you, Lord Jesus, as the answer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for the saving of our soul. We thank you that the blood cleanses and washes us to the uttermost. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great salvation. We love you too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.